This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Richard Gershon, the host of In Legal Terms and a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. If you miss a live In Legal Terms episode, find our podcast, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor and the folks that love to stir the pot. Good morning, Malcolm White here with Carol Palmer. Today we will be your guides and we will have a big time with Joe Sherman. Well, it is uh, December, and we are celebrating the holidays with the Festival of Lights underway. We will hear about sweet potato latkes and help celebrate Hanukkah. We will also talk with our good friend Joe Sherman about what the foodie in your world is looking for for this holiday season. Is it the flusser? Is it cast iron? Or is it something a little more high tech? Well, good morning. Welcome to Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Backdoor Santa? Huh. You're on top of it this morning, Java. I thought it'd be Chimney Santa. Well, that's one of my favorites. That's uh, Clarence Carter. Uh-huh. Uh, Stacks Christmas, you know. So, well, Soul Christmas, you can find it anywhere. But Clarence Carter, Backdoor Santa, you're going to love it. Okay. <laughs> you know, we booked, I did one show with Clarence Carter. Uh, it was a zoo, one of the zoo blues that I used to produce. And, um, well, we had everybody, every soul blues artist working back in those days. But we, we did one show with Clarence. He's a classic, man. Yeah, he is. He's a he's a, he's a world class. I remember well your Zoo Blues and Zoo Clarence Blues Carter. A... Was it Clarence Carter that you couldn't get off the bus? No, that was Johnny Taylor. Johnny Taylor <laughs> couldn't get off yeah, the bus. Yeah, Johnny and I had a run in our team. Yeah, Johnny Taylor uh, uh, sat up in the bus and wouldn't come on, and Malcolm finally had to get a wad of money and start flash, doing it, flashing it. To get him off the Those bus. Those were the days. Those were the days. Well, welcome, Joe Sherman. We're mm-hmm. glad you're here. Glad. Thank you for having me. The Lebanese breeze. I'm here. I'm uh, here. It's Christmas time, sort of. It's it's the holidays, Carol, and so we uh, we're going to talk a lot today uh, about uh, gadgets and gifts and kitchen accoutrement. And uh, Joe's been doing a lot of research. <laughs> you and Joe really. Uh, came up with this notion to go to our Facebook page, Cooking and Coping, and see what the people think. And they think a lot. Believe me, some great ideas out there. Well, the reason I was thinking about gadgets, or as we say, Malcolm, you and I would say tools. Tools. These are tools in the kitchen, is because for 35 years being in retail, having a gourmet store, people are always running in wanting stocking stuffers. Yeah. I would like a gadget for a stocking What's the latest stuffer. also, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's an uh, it's an evolving uh, world of kitchen gadgetry. Always, uh, you would think everything's been invented, but no. it it has it's, not. And it's all been reinvented with silicone. Yeah, with silicone. <laughs> you know? but, Interesting. Uh, Mal and I were thinking last week that we were really helping the people by doing this. This is a community yeah. service well, someone, to someone. our listeners to talk about gadgets. Absolutely. Some great ideas. Well, uh, Carol, did you have any fun eats since I've last seen you? Uh, I did I, indeed. Tell me about it. Well, I cooked a charmula with a charmula. Is that shrimp an animal? In orso. <laughs> <laughs> and four legs. It's, yes, it's a, an animal that only only lives in West Hines County. Okay. But um, charmula is a kind of a Moroccan 
mishmash of I saw it on yeah of the Facebook parsley and cilantro copious quantities of that with a little lemon juice and olive oil it's very akin to the Argentine chimichurri, chimichurri. Mm. what it sounded like yeah and so That's you great. use that uh, you you know cook some orzo mm. you stir in your chermoula and your shrimp and it is tasty and excellent and um Very good I was trying to do a post which somehow wouldn't go through about living (laughs) with my husband, John Palmer, who goes from fried spam one day to (laughs) Tremula. And then uh, yesterday he had this just gorgeous lunch that he put together from like a tin of Portuguese tuna, quail eggs, Marcona almonds, Pate and That's what you get from marrying an ambassador. I know, I, know, I know, but how can he go from spam and Popeye's fried chicken, Popeye's fried chicken, which it was brand specific for him. He's very specific. That to a little glass of rosé and all these these wonderful things. I, I stay confused. That's okay. That's uh, all right. You can stay nimble on your feet. Yeah, you, you have, you have to at my house. So what was going on at your house, Mal? Well, I've been on the road. I was down in Ocean Springs um, in my capacity as a board of trustee member of the Walter Anderson Museum of Art. So I was down there Thursday and Friday, and that was great. Um, Been traveling a bit. And then uh, Kara made a wonderful pot of potato soup yesterday that was delish. Had some, uh, what was in there? Not kale. But anyway, it was really good. I didn't know what was in it, but I enjoyed it very much. I love this time of year. You know, we got a little frost this morning, mm-hmm. and uh, Kara's parents actually got snow in Richmond last night. So winter, as we know it, is upon us, and it's a great time for one pots. It's a great time for soups and stews and that sort of stuff. Joe, what's been cooking in your world? Well, we've been preparing for the Bellwood Road Christmas party, for our street Christmas party. So Mary Pryor's been making old-school sausage stroganoff. Uh, I made Christmas cookies for the kids to enjoy. Well, as, thank you for so bringing as, them as this for the morning. Adults. And uh, other than that, we've been eating frozen pizza so <laughs> so we could get ready for this party. <laughs> and we made a gigantic charcuterie board and uh, not the not the snackle box, box okay. but a real charcuterie board uh, okay. in which we did do uh, Jacques Pepin's chicken liver mousse again. So okay. uh, well, enjoy by all. Whatever lights you up. Now, Java, you you've got a you attended a special event uh, over the weekend. Uh, what's up with that? He's eating his cookies. Yeah, um, these Joe, these Christmas cookies. Thank you, man. I don't know. I'm in the I'm in the holiday holiday mood. I got my Christmas uh, sweater on today. We're watching Christmas movies all weekend, but I do have to say congratulations and give a major shout out to my sister. She graduated uh, from Jackson State University over the past weekend, and um, we had a nice brunch at my parents' house and one of Jackson's um, top-notch restaurants, in my opinion, Sugar's Place, uh, catered. Sugar's Place downtown, if you're unfamiliar, um, you know, nice chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, which were like, I don't know, the hit. I'm such a shrimp and grits person. I thought everybody knew about it, but some of my family members, they came in and they were like, what is this? Shrimp and grits. And they just couldn't get enough of it. Java, they didn't know you've become a culinarian. Yeah, I've I've, I've expanded my palate and I do attribute it to 
the people in the in, in the studio right there. Well, first of all, you did not say your sister's name, and she needs a for sure shout out. Oh, Jade Rochelle Chapman. All right, right. congratulations, the full, congratulations. The full deal. And I want to say um, shout out to Judah Performing Arts School. Being a girl dad, I went to my very first um, official recital, dance recital, uh, where Marley and Phoenix they both were in full costume ballerina outfits and they did their dance and on the stage and you know i had a i had a tear or two all right, yeah. <laughs> all right. a proud dad moment yeah so i had a good weekend and it was christmas mood christmas theme everything so <laughs> well we had the Bellhaven garden club dinner last night which was really great polito catered oh, which wow. uh, was really some scrumptious eats mm. there uh the meatballs were quite the hit uh among other things. But anyway, uh, you know, we, we, we tend to eat well. We are, we are fortunate. So here are a few holiday party etiquette tips, Carol, that we want to share with I our listeners. I think that's important. Etiquette I mean, as is we always approach. important. Mm-hmm. The first one is do not bring food that the host didn't request. In other words, don't show up with a green bean casserole and the host is having a different direction <laughs> with the menu, right? Exactly. Exactly. Or or the host has to find a place to plate it. Place to put (laughs) it. Where to put it, what to put it on, heat it, not heat it, cook it. Right. Not fun. Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, It's happened to me. Has it happened to y'all before? Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, do bring a gift for the host. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I love that we had dinner about a month ago, and Java's wife, Crystal, brought me a gift of hot sauce and a candle and it was just it was unexpected and it was lovely and it was some killer hot sauce mm. i'm glad you liked it because um i'm not a hot sauce person so when she <laughs> when she got it i was like i mean yeah carol's gonna love it <laughs> when i said killer hot sauce i almost died <laughs> <laughs> some heat <laughs> Uh, do not re-gift in the same <laughs> social circles. It, it, That's pretty funny. It could come back to haunt That's you. That's right. right. Exactly. Yeah. It could come back to, to you. you. Right. That's the halt. <laughs> That's great. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I like, have an exit plan. Do not overstay your welcome. <laughs> I have a friend that had the best exit plan. He'd say, okay, Joe, we'll go to the party. We'll walk in the front door. We'll see everyone, and we'll walk out the back door. Yeah. All in one fail, 10 minutes. Yeah, I in used to call out. it the old slip out. Well, we did it. <clears throat> but, uh, That's but what he loved to do. But don't stay too long. You know, When the host starts clearing the table, putting the dishware <laughs> yes. away, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to start wrapping it up and uh, moving on down the road. Well, I have to – this reminds me, I have to, to tell a story on my mom. You know, we had a gourmet store for – Years, the everyday gourmet, and you literally work 18 hours a day. I mean, you do 40% of your annual business in three weeks, right. and you work not only your fingers to the bone, but, <laughs> but every other no. body part. So, my mother could not get off the bed to go to a Christmas party that where the host, like, if you don't show up for her Christmas party, she was very proud of this party. You will never be banned forever. Stricken. Blackballed in parties across Pines County. My father went to the party, and people kept asking, Well, where is Dorothy? And he would say, 
oh, she's in the other room. <laughs> and so, you know, for weeks after people would say, oh, I missed you at the, at the party, but, you know, mm. she's in the other room. So Malcolm loved that story. This I loved it. It's been a long time ago. And I so, used it for years. I know it. So Malcolm would ask, uh, like I remember one New Year's Eve, he, you called me and said, hey, would you tell people I'm in the other room? <laughs> and I did. Where's Mal? Where's Mal? He's in the – he said – and you get just credit. missed him. Just yeah. missed him. He just missed him. He was he's here. Sli- he's, he's over there. <laughs> All right, we got a caller. We're going to go to the phones now. Jeremy is calling from Mobile, Alabama. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, good morning, guys. Love the show. Um, so here's the deal. I uh, used to really, really be good at uh, dinner rolls, yeast rolls, you know, the butt rolls, whatever you want to call them. But, <laughs> and, um, but I've fallen out of practice. Uh-oh. And so, uh, well, and so I know the basic, you know, kind of alchemy involved. The one thing I don't have, which I abused in my former life as a, as a baker, was a, a proofing cabinet. Um, and just, especially this time of year, where it's just a, a million degrees below zero and everything's off, and you know, bread is a fickle beast, to say the least. Um, are there any things that I can do uh, in my just regular old house kitchen to further along the process of, of proofing uh, rather than just turn the heat up to 85 and sweat. <laughs> right. Well, that's a great question. Uh, I'm not uh, much of a baker in, in my home. Uh, my wife, Kara, handles the baking, and uh, she's really good at following instructions. And I always say that cooking's an art, but baking is a science. So there's no science, monkeying yeah. around when you're no, baking. No, there's not. So, so these are very important they parts. They are. Um, I, I tend to put my bowl, like when dough is rising, on my stove. Because usually, you know, the the oven is creating some kind of heat. Light. Yeah, it's just a, a little bit warmer. And while you were you were saying that, Jeremy, I just looked up proofing cabinets. And indeed... You can buy a proofing cabinet <laughs> for about $250. Is that what they cost? Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, I, and I would and, put and, and, mine on the stove, and I would cover it with a uh, yeah. dish towel. Mm. Well, I made some pretzels. The cabinet that I had was one of those. And, you know, shelf life, planned obsolescence, right. it worked great, and then it doesn't. Um, so I just don't want to go down that path again. It's another thing to take up space. But well, I, I heard um, heard through the grapevine from, from people that know more than I do that uh, storage drawer underneath the oven yeah. is actually a warming drawer. Exactly. Can you put like a dish of water in there and kind of help build humidity? There's no way to really keep it at a certain temperature, rather, but it just kind of overflows from the oven, right? Yeah, and I, I'm just looking. It says to proof bread in the oven, place a glass baking dish on the bottom rack of the oven, fill it with boiling water, Stash your dough on the middle or top rack and shut the door. Hmm. The steam and heat from the water will create a warm and steamy environment. And save so $250. Right. I proofed some pretzels. So it was just the oven off, yeah? Yeah, yeah right. oven off. I proofed pretzels. I just opened the oven door and set the bowl on the door itself and let it sit there for a couple of hours. And it, it, were, I mean, right you know, it worked oh, perfect. Cool. Yeah. Great question. Okay, cool. No, well, I'm, you know, I, I, you start going through and you get to you know, the holiday time and one of your 
one of your uh, your field marshals in the family says, you're bringing the rolls. And I'm like, man, they're, they're always <laughs> sold out on that day. And I know how to make them. I just need to do it. So I'm going to yeah. start practicing. All right. Um, and and, and all-purpose flour works just fine, doesn't it? Fart, you yes. know, fart, yes. I know. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. what I, that's yeah. what I use. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and okay. you know, there may be people listening who are experts in the field of the yeast roll. And so, if so, we'd love to hear from you. It, thanks so much for, for joining us. Good morning. It's Monday, and we are so glad you're here. For some people, it's Sunday. And some people, it could be a Tuesday because they are podcasting. There you go. But yeah. either way, regardless of what day of the week it is, we're so glad that you're here with us. Now, Carol, uh, on break, we had a listener uh, text in. Uh, an additional etiquette, uh, holiday party etiquette, so you want to share with us? And it is the prime party etiquette. Um, yes, how could we have forgotten this? How could this? we have forgotten yes. this? And this came from Mona Nicholas, who knows these things. Right. She is the executive director of the USA International Ballet Competition, so she is on her she's toes. She's all over it. She's, yeah, on, her she's toes, on her toes, literally and figuratively. Okay, Mona's suggestion is... R-S-V-P. Right. Now, in French, that would be reply, s'il vous plaît. Uh-huh. In, yes, let people know. <laughs> let us know whether you're let coming or Let us know you're if not. you're coming or not. It no. is not reply of if declining. <laughs> it's let us know. No. It's quite you know, different. last night we were going to this party, this neighborhood party, and a friend rode with us. We remained unnamed friend. And as we were getting out of the car, she said to us, just want to let you all know, I replied no to the invitation. So if people look shocked when I walk in, you'll know why. And I was just about to say. regrets only. It is. It's it's completely different than regrets only. Commit, yes or no. You know, come on. Yeah, because we're, you know, we're happy to have you. Um, I had four uh, extra people at Thanksgiving. They will remain Unnamed and yeah, you know, we and were uninvited. We were <laughs> glad they came, but when you when you have like twenty something people, you've got them stashed yeah, every bit enough. of the house. That's right. But I I pulled it off. I, they, I found, have you know, no doubt that you did. I reset and redid. <laughs> well, the truth is, when you are hosting, um, you always know to plan for a few more or a few less because you know it's going to happen. There is no. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, I'll I'll know exactly how many exactly. are coming. So well, I disagree. For a dinner party, well, yeah, but I mean, dinner, like, I'm talking yeah. about like a holiday party. Oh yeah. Oh like yeah. It's a neighborhood party, right. a block party, a block party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, all right. Um, it's um, it's Hanukkah time, Carol. It is indeed. And when it's Hanukkah, who do we think about, Mal? Our very favorite, Marcy Cohen Ferris. Uh, Marcy Ferris is in Chapel Hill, North Carolina now, where she is a professor of American studies. And she was former president of the Southern Foodways Alliance. But being a Southern Jewish woman, uh, that has been her field of study. She wrote a wonderful and awarded book called Matzo Ball Gumbo. And um, I think Java has her voice somewhere (laughs) In his archives. Again, this, this is one of those holidays, classic Jewish holidays, where this is irreverent, but you know, Jews sometimes whisper, Yeah, they say, you know, we say a little prayer, they tried to kill us, let's eat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, boy. And what are some of the specialties that will be on your Hanukkah table this holiday? Well, you know, it's all about oil, Mm. olive oil, and it's about frying. So that's not too hard in the Jewish South. You know, that that works for us. And the reason you guys might have, you know, know this already, the reason that it's all about oil is because the holiday really commemorates the rededication during the second century BC of the second temple in Jerusalem, where the Jews had risen up against their Greek Syrian oppressors in um, what was the Maccabean revolt. And there's a miracle that happens. There's a small quantity of oil left because the synagogue had been desecrated. And so the Jews were rededicating that synagogue. There was only enough oil for this important light that's always kept lit uh, to last a day. And it lasted eight days. So that's a miracle. So it's a beautiful holiday or, you know, to, to commemorate light. And that's important this time of year for all of us, but also for miracles. And we need that now more than ever. Have just simply lots of things, anything that you prefer in your region of the country or from your Jewish tradition, depending on where your people come from, you know, whether you're Sephardic or Ashkenazic, you know, from Eastern Europe or Central Europe or you're, you know, from Israel, you fry those things that, you know, are part of your tradition. But latkes are very traditional potato mm. pancakes. And the fried jelly donut. Ooh, delicious. And I think that, <laughs> that, that, really, that really works for Southerners. I know it works for Mississippians. Uh, I think they're called sufguniat or yot. Sufguniat. And uh, uh, it's in, in, in Israel. Yeah, so jelly donuts, those are, that's a great thing to have for a dessert or just a, you know, you're a fried little fritter of some, some, you know, maybe an apple fritter, something like that would be delicious. It's about a sweet potato latke. Would that, that be the, just the most southern thing you can imagine? Oh, it, it is. And it's delicious. It's such a good way to do it. I, I really like sweet potato latkes better than, than, than plain latkes. And you can add other things as well. You know, you could add spinach and parsnips and carrots. And lots of people do many different latkes at, at once. But I think the sweet potato latke is the best. And since everybody can run right to county line packing there and <laughs> you know, in uh, Houston, Mississippi, and get the best potatoes, sweet potatoes from from Aples Brother Preston. Um, it's a great way to do it, and it, it just—I think they're a little crisper and sweeter, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, they're just beautiful in color, and th- and that's really nice. Just their color and their texture and their taste, and um, you know, you could do even beyond a latke, you could do like a fried a sweet potato fry, you know, mm-hmm. like. And um, that's really nice. And you can bake those. You know, I often just cut up yeah. sweet potatoes and put a little, little olive oil on them and a little salt and pepper and put them on a, on, a, on a cookie tray and do them at a higher heat, like 450 or something. And that would be delicious with, you know, it's not kosher, but catfish. <laughs> catfish. <laughs> a little catfish. You know, you can have a little fried fish or you can have a roasted fish. <laughs> Just depends on how how bad how much you want to sin, but all of these things all of these things work. I think a fried or roasted fish served with like sweet potato fries, you know, would be delicious. 
And that was a great clip from our friend Marcy Cohen Ferris, and she, there was a shout out in there for April McGregor, Carol. You just um, you just never know no, who's never who's know. thinking about what, and we think of all our Jewish friends and neighbors during Hanukkah and the Jewish community all over the world. There's so much going on, so much going on. Yeah. All right, Joe, we are now going to turn to your uh, research, uh, okay. and let's talk a little bit about the gizmos and gadgets. So and we reached out to the uh, Cooking and Coping Facebook uh, family, and we received almost 80 responses, and the kitchen tools, that, that they range from cooking twine to a cold-smoked uh, Smoking, uh, and, and that's that's used to cold smoke something like cheese, so it doesn't get so hot that it would melt. So it's a mm. cold smoke instead of a. Uh, and our friend Doug Boone has done cold smoke on his big green egg, so it is a thing. I've never done it, but it's interesting. One of the top. So after going through and looking at all this, it's like Bob Yarbrough, one of our uh, top contributors. One of his two from things, Virginia. From Virginia, his was a um, bench scraper. And a fish, fish spatula, hmm. which I thought was interesting. A lot of people mentioned the microplane grater. And I don't know how many out there in our listening audience know where the microplane grater started from. But there, in 1994, a Canadian housewife was making an orange cake, and she was trying to zest the orange. And what she was using wasn't working, so she went to her husband's woodworking shop and got a rasp that he was using. And that's how it was created. And we sold them at the Everyday Gourmet because Martha Stewart showed up to cook a cooking, do a cooking class at the Everyday Gourmet, and she had one that she, you know, she had gotten at a hardware store. Right. And I remember kind of, you know, getting them. Um, she started packaging packaging them, and Shirley Corrier, the great cook, started packaging. It was just, you know, such a Wonderful thing, and then this company in Arkansas That's start, right. started, you know, making, started them. making them, and they had the one tool. It has a plastic handle and the long rasp, That's and right. now there is a whole line, line of, of, of products. Right. But I was surprised at how many people they, mentioned, lot of, they mentioned that. that. They mentioned garlic presses, and one thing that was not mentioned, and my good friend and excellent cook, John Hartline, uses is his scale. He said the scale is probably the most important uh, tool in his kitchen. And for bakers, it's a must. Right. But I, I use a scale every week because I cook a lot of sausage, and we right. get these big, you know, things right. from. Uh, you know, I have to parcel it out, uh-huh. so I do them in little two ounce patties. But I keep my scale handy. And then somebody else mentioned tongs, a good set of tongs. Mm-hmm. Doug Levenway talks about a good set of tongs and a. What What is a good set of tongs? I mean, do you have a brand name or a type? Uh, I used. Um, Oxo, Oxo, Oxo makes a good one, and has you know it has the pull out that'll lock the yeah. the, the the tongs, and you pull it, push it Which back. It's good for storage. For storage, for storage, you know. And I brought a pair of my tongs uh, today. These these are little, I guess four or five inch tongs, and yeah, this is just great for close up work, and mm-hmm. when you're working in a skillet with sausage or right. just things in a small skillet, I have several pair of these. And, and for our listeners, it's key that you understand we have visuals here. Both right. Joe and Carol brought actual 
product uh, product into the studio. And so as we talk, we're holding <laughs> up and and sharing visuals. So I, when I, in doing the <clears throat> in doing this research, I contacted. Um, uh, Marlena Walters, who's the owner now of the Everyday Gourmet, and the top items that they're seeing uh, as, as gifts and as for being used in the Christmas season, uh, a cookie press, a Mercado, which is an Italian cookie press. It's got a stainless steel tube. Uh, it, I think it, the old one was Mirror. Miro, Miro, and people still look for them on eBay. Uh, it's a gourmet store, past owner. You know, it was every year people would come in looking for them, and all the new ones had plastic right. tubes, and they would break under the pressure of southern cheese straws, but mm. not the marcado. It can then, handle the cheese straw. And then the garlic press, the garlic press at the Everyday Gourmet has a, a, a slicer uh, attachment, so you can slice the garlic, mm-hmm. okay? But the one, the Viking Cooking School, I contacted Leanne Galt, who is a big-time contributor, helped get this cooking and coping site started. And she's an excellent uh, instructor at the Viking Cooking School. And she talked about the Dream Farm Garjet Garlic Press. And you can press the garlic with the skin on. And then after you open it back up, there's like a little flipper. And you hit this button and... Everything flies out of the out of the the, uh, oh, the skin flies out. away. Every, everything goes away. Self cleaning. I, I saw people mention that right on on the cooking right. and coping website. So they must be going to a lot of classes at the Viking Cooking School in Greenwood. And if you didn't hear Joe said it's the Garjet, like garlic Garjet, Garjet, and it it's the jet. And then one thing no one mentioned. <laughs> that is, was widely used when I was running the Viking cooking schools was the stovetop smoker. It's, oh, yeah. It's like an, uh, a, a baking pan, a metal with baking the li- pan. With the lid with that the lid, slides on. And you can put the smoking chips underneath it, a little water, and you put it on your stove, and you can smoke inside your home. Hmm. So it's a really great gadget. Well, uh, on the topic of garlic, you brought this uh, skinner here. What, a, what is this thing? Well, it's a... It, for a visual, for those of you that are listening, it, it, it's like, think of a silicone toilet paper roll. It's about that size. And you put the garlic inside the roll mm-hmm. and just roll it. And as you roll it across the garlic, the and, skin and, and everything. both Carol just, and Joe are we're rolling. We're rolling. As we speak. We had, each of us <laughs> we, we had this in our box. They, color they, color they, coordinated. They both brought in a, what do you and call it, Joe? I, I call it Carol. a garlic roller. I don't know what you Carol, call it. what do you call it? I call it a garlic roller. <laughs> okay. But it a works exceptionally tube. well. Yeah, yeah. And I then, can see Java's taking notes over there. And then uh, Mona Nicholas, who called in a minute ago, she purchased a Philomel, uh, uh salt and pepper shaker. And it's a meal, and you they had those salt and pepper come in separate containers. You can attach it by dropping it down it. Do it. Release it and get the salt, and it, hmm. it's really, it's really, really cool. Now, Have Thomas, you ever seen it before? Yeah, they, we, she bought it in Greenwood. Okay. Yeah, and she sent a picture, but you can't. Thomas see Williams was asking about a certain kind of salt and pepper. He was talking about uh, uh, decorative, I think, oh, pepper decorative. meals, different pepper decorative mills. pepper meals, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, people collect pepper right. meals because it's one of the the most difficult kitchen tools to get you know to get a really good one and a good pepper mill is all about the grinding mechanism and companies like Peugeot who make cars you know they Uh make a pepper mill yeah so so 
you know, go for a fine grinder. Right. Do not get a pepper mill with any kind of a plastic. No, it'll or, break. Yeah. And I know a lot of a lot of the uh, uh, cooking and coping talked about cast iron skillets, and I guess the brand name that everyone is familiar with is Lodge. Well, Lodge, there. I have a uh, our good friend Thomas William gifted me a black lock Lodge ten inch skillet, and it is almost it's a pound lighter than the normal Lodge ten inch skillet for some of the uh, people that are getting up in age, as some of the people in this room. Uh, this is a lot easier <laughs> to handle. It helps if you have arthritis or just have a weak wrist and i use this 10 inch skillet almost every day try to create polito's steak try it in here not there yet but it does work and it's a great it's a great great item i have a question because cast iron skillets you probably can see you can see them kind of almost everywhere you go from big box stores to you know your super specific uh kitchenware stores what is a, a, a buying guide for buying a skillet like you know making sure that you're getting something quality because like i said you can see you can see a cast iron skillet at the big box store to the high-end you know specialty stores you know i would say you know brand first of all in weight because the beauty of a cast iron skillet is that it cooks evenly and then it holds heat and it can go from the stovetop to the oven. And, you know, a lot of people will sear their meat or sear their fish on top of the oven and then, I mean, yeah, on top of the stove and then put it in the oven. But you can never go wrong uh, with, with Lodge, a good, great southern company with a great history. And a lot of people collect heritage cast iron Mm -hmm. if you go on sites on etsy or ebay or those there will be a proliferation of uh, of brands that go back over a hundred years but i I would say get an american-made cast iron skillet okay and many people like myself you know we i have my grandmother's uh cast iron skillets various sizes because they last forever uh, they're, they're, they're like, they're, yeah. like they're battleships. Indestru- indestructible. <laughs> indestructible, I my, actually. I have my grandmother's, and in fact, I wrote an essay one time of about my sister and my grandmother's death. I put, she got the jewelry, I got the cast iron skillet. <laughs> and I felt I got the better of the deal. I got, I got just what I wanted. Now, I know this is a real freshman question, and we can get off of cast iron skillets, but the se- seasoning your skillet, Yeah, what's that all about? We could do a whole show on this, and I hope we will sometime. But most of the skillets these days are are pre-seasoned. And if you really mess up your skillet, which is hard to do, um, you do have to re-season them. And I would suggest you look online for instructions. It involves wiping the skillet with oil, putting it in a low oven, taking it out, uh, doing it again. But, Java, I did want to mention this thing since I can see what you're you're thinking about a skillet. There was a post on cooking and coping several years ago 
about a woman whose fiance put her cast iron skillet in the dishwasher. And her question was, (laughs) should I marry him or not? And there were there were those who said, give him a second chance, because any man who washes dishes and puts things in the dishwasher is a good man at heart. And other ones said, throw the bum out. (laughs) So there is a certain care required for cast iron, like cleaning, and and after you clean it, you you oil it again. I do. I oil it again, put it on the stove, and heat it up one more time. Before I put mine away, I usually wipe them with oil again. That's not required, but you don't want them wet. You don't want to put them away wet because they'll rust. And I think if you – and I think I'm right – if you go into a place that's selling cast iron and they're gray, they're not seasoned. Mm-hmm. If they're gray, they're not seasoned. Oh, you know, okay. you know. There you go. So, and then one one thing that I I was going to bring this morning that I love, well, I did is is my joy of cooking cookbook. I don't know how old that thing is, but I tell you how dirty it is. Yeah. <laughs> I use it all the time, all the time. So, well, and. I have to mention my gadget of the year is the flucer, as Malcolm referred to. And the flucer is a flat juicer. It folds up flat. And I got onto this because my juicer broke. I, I do a lot of juicing. So I went, went online and started doing research. And I thought, wow, because it, you know, it, it stores flat. And I ordered one. It is the best juicer. You it ordered more than one. Well, after I got one, I wanted you and Java to have them. And since yes. I have learned by uh, trial and error that if you want to order a flucer, order the green one, the lime one. It's mm. plenty big for lemons. The lemon one that I gave y'all is really big. It's you large. can use that for for oranges but Mm -hmm. the flucer is under $15 the perfect stocking stuffer I left one on Joe Sherman's doorstep this week it works great (laughs) and it stores perfectly happy Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday whatever day you're listening to us uh, because Carol uh, we're live on Mondays we are rebroadcast we we rebroadcast on Sundays and we are forever available on podcast so, a special thank you to everyone who listens on Sunday. That's a that's an important day for us. That's right. <laughs> it is indeed. So we were talking about uh, gifts, gizmos, and kitchen accoutrement, and uh, Joe Sherman is here with us today, and he's been doing a lot of research. He posted on our website, Cooking and Coping, and asked our listeners and our friends to share their favorite gadgets for the holidays. And I wanted to mention uh, the little serrated tomato knife, the little green handle tomato knife. I think everyone in this room got from my friend Tim Pierce. It has become the most popular and beloved knife in our drawer mm-hmm. at our It house. is in his signature color, chartreuse. chartreuse. Oh, I said and green. I, my yeah, apologies. Well, chartreuse. I think, that's a, I that's think a form it, of green. Yeah, it comes in black and red, but it's in his uh, his, his color. Mm-hmm. And it, it's... Uh, an all-purpose knife. It's the first first and, knife you go to in your kitchen. And it'll it'll cut your counter in half if you're not careful. It'll <laughs> yeah. cut the cutting board. It is a very sharp it is. It is knife. Very you have sharp. to be careful with it. But That's it's right. a it's a darling of a tool, and I'm happy to have it. Uh, and I'm sure they're available in most uh, 
Yeah, most many knife companies have have one. This one happens to be Victoria Knox, and I posted a comment about it. Uh, I took a group when I was at Viking to Sicily for with Elaine Trigiani was our guide, and we went to a restaurant run by a woman and her daughter somewhere in Sicily. And we sat in the kitchen and had a pasta demonstration. And they were making the pasta, of course, for lunch in the kitchen that day. And this woman chef had one knife, and it was akin exactly to the knife that Tim sent us. There was no other knife in Mm. her kitchen. And she would just wipe it off, wash it off, and use it. I mean, she used it for chopping, slicing, sharp. everything mm-hmm. in, in a restaurant. It, it just made me feel like I so overdo it with well, every knife. Yeah. I have every knife, you know, bone with the boning knife, a pair with the pairing <laughs> knife. Right. Well, it's fun to have different tools for yeah. different occasions. But it is also nice to have a universal multi-use tool like that little rascal that we were talking about. Now, Joe, what else did you hear uh, from our folks? One other thing that that, uh, is a potato ricer. And for those of you who don't know what a potato ricer is, after you get the potato and you put it in there, and it's like a giant garlic press. Think of a giant garlic press. It's very old school. Very. And it can be used for other things like uh, taking out the water out of – Spinach, uh, which I had never thought of. Guacamole, taking an avocado and putting it in the press for uh, guacamole, and it's good for making baby food. Uh, so it's a pretty cool gadget. Uh, we don't have any babies, and we don't make potatoes, so we don't do have you, one. But I think it's a great item. Do you do you take the water out of your spinach before or after you cook it? Uh, this is before. This, so you this, sque- this, you, you're this talking you about just squeezing the residue water, exactly. like lettuce or right, a spinner exactly. or something. Mm-hmm. Right. But and then there's a second coming right. with spinach, and that is the second amount of liquid that is produced after, after you, you cook cooked it. it, which I love to drink like a broth. Uh-huh. But I think a lot of people pour off because they, they're trying yeah. to get rid of it so it won't make their plate wet. Right, exactly, exactly. But uh, anyway. This is the, the, pre, the pre-water. I got you. Okay. Pre-water. And then uh, I think Charlotte Duck Pelton and Carol both agree that inexpensive tea towels or whatever y'all use, y'all yeah, have been flour, using flour, flour, sack. Ta- flour sack towels to mm-hmm. – in place of a salad spinner for wringing the water out of greens. And mm-hmm. those are the ideas that have come from our uh, audience out there and then from some of our experts in the field. Now, you've got a cooling rack. Oh, i got a cooling rack. Now, nobody mentioned a cooling rack, but I used this cooling rack. I cooked, I cooked our Thanksgiving turkey. Uh, I butchered it and put uh, the cooling rack on a, uh, on a baking uh, sheet, put about a cup of water, mm-hmm. put the— uh, turkey on here and i use the cooling rack like a baking rack and then i also use it for baking and for cooking for cooling cookies and also i saw uh where hoda and jenna bush took a cooling rack took a baked potato cut it in half smushed the potato down on the cooling rack and all of the potato went into a bowl they so they can make mashed but they riced yeah, they it with riced the, it they with riced the potatoes with a cooling rack hmm. and the cooling rack is about an eight and a half by eleven uh, rack that's gridded and it's got holes. It's cool. I have one question before we leave this topic. What is a spurtle? A, a spurtle. spurtle. I saw several a people mention a spurtle. A is spurtle. actually a, an elongated wooden spatula, and it was made for stirring soups and broths. 
that's where it uh, originated from. And then huh. one last thing, I said that a minute ago. Uh, somebody posted spoons from Sis and D's handmade spoons. Sis and D's handmade spoons are made in Brandon, Mississippi. I used to carry them at the Everyday really? Gourmet, anyway. handmade. Yeah, yeah. So. I have a dozen or so. Of them. Did you know what a spurtle? Was? I, I did not, but once I saw it, I, of course, it's like I a knew small boat. But no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's like a paddle. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, thank. You. Yeah. Oh no, thank you. We we appreciate all the hard work that you put into gathering the info about the gadgets, um, the gizmos, and the kitchen accoutrement. Now, also, Carol, you know, giving a cookbook is a very good idea uh, for the holidays, and we we have our favorites. Uh, and we, we recently heard from our friend Francis Lamb at the Splendid Table about his favorite. Yeah, let's get in let's get into that real quick. Your list this year or some of your favorites. Oh for sure. I mean, you know, this is self-interested because I do work for a cookbook publisher, but cookbooks make great holiday gifts. <laughs> and I would say, you know, um, putting on my other hat for a moment, as the host of the Splendid Table, we always do a a fall cookbook roundup kind of episode. We don't we we don't have that much room to feature so many books, but we like to highlight some of the books we're interested in, we're excited about. Um, and on that episode, we had we got to feature a really wonderful, um, really respected, longtime food um, food writer, recipe developer named Samantha Senevaratna. She has this really wonderful new book called Bake Smart, which is really terrific. Um, baked goods, desserts. But what's really cool about it is she has all these little notes in the book of like tips and tricks. And if you're looking at this, what's, what's, should, what should it look like? Or if you want to, you know, if you want to do this for a crowd, how do you, how do you switch it up? So it just feels like she's, he's, she's baking in the kitchen there with you. Um, another book we feature on that episode is by a restaurateur named Rose Previtt. She has a book called Maidan, which sort of tells the story of how she became interested in food um, while living in Russia for a number of years, but really fell in love with um, the food of the Republic of Georgia and all over the Middle East. Um, uh, an author that is actually on our list um, is John Kung, who's just this really thoughtful Chinese-American um, chef who has a, a terrific social media presence. He talks a lot about what he calls his food third culture cooking, which is you know, not traditional Chinese cooking, and, but it's influenced by him growing up in North America, and what emerges from that is a third culture. So it's really cool. He has something he calls like Hong Kong chicken and waffles, for instance, which is fried chicken with this, these like traditional Hong Kong kind of bubble waffles. And that's our friend Francis Lamb from The Splendid Table who visited with us recently. You can hear the absolute full interview on the podcast where he gives suggestions about cookbooks. And I wanted to say before we go, well, there's a few that cookbook authors that we've had on the show this year that have great books. Dale Gray, South of Somewhere, is one. Uh, Carol, Ryan Mitchell, Ed Mitchell's Barbecue is another. Yep. Uh, Stacy Mayon Fong's 50 Pies, 50 States. And Natalie King's Egg Rolls and Sweet Tea. And don't forget Robert St. John's brand new book, Mississippi Mornings. It's a breakfast cookbook, and it's available wherever... Uh, books are for sale. He's been touring the state signing, and uh, don't don't leave his book out. Robert St. John's Mississippi Mornings, uh, 
Joe, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you for having me. Deep Enjoy South it. Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio, and we are funded by the generous contributions from listeners like yourself. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. For my co-host, Carol Palmer, Joe Sherman, I'm Malcolm White. We ask that you please now stay tuned for Marshall Ramsey's show, Now You're Talking, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And please join us next Monday for more Deep South Dining, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.